Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. Are y'all ready to jump in? We're in a series called Jonah and the Whale. Maybe you grew up in church and you heard the story about Jonah. Oh, Jonah, he ran from God and got swallowed by a whale. Maybe you think this is crazy talk and you've never been here before or at church before. And you're like, what is this about? Well, there's a book in the Bible called Jonah. And that's what, it, that's what happens in the book. The dude gets swallowed by a whale or fish, whatever you want to call it. But the whole point of the series is that this story, it's short. It's four chapters called Jonah. It's not about the whale. Tell your neighbor, it's not about the whale. It's not about the whale. We make it all about the whale. The whale's mentioned twice. And it's not the climax. It's not this like exciting part. It's just kind of this like, oh yeah, there was a whale. Swallowed him up, spit him out. Um, It's very small. But we're looking at the real whales, okay, in the story of Jonah. Last week, we talked about disappointment. That's a huge whale in that story. And if you missed it, you can check it out on YouTube or the podcast to get caught up to speed. You can check that out. Um, we're, we're looking at the whales, forgiveness, God's mercy, um, difficult and challenging social relationships. These are all in the book of Jonah. Those are the real themes. And today, we're, we're call, we're, we're, it's all about running from God, because that's what Jonah did. He ran from God. This is called Jonah and the Cardio. Someone was just telling me, it was you, Isaac. He said, he told me he just ran this morning. I love you. I'm going to pray for you. This one's for you, buddy. This one's for you. Do we have any runners in the house? If you if you all like I'm the opposite of running, I, I nope not gonna do it. Don't want to think about it. But this one's called Jonah and the cardio. I love that in the Bible, God said I need an image of what disobedience is like. I need a picture of what turning your back from me is like. And God said I'm gonna pick running, and hell hold that up as a way as a metaphor for us as a picture of what it's like. When we turn from God, that's what today is all about. Let's pray. Let's pray and then we'll dig in. Father God, we ask you to bless us today, especially those who do run. We're going to pray for them hard. Thank you, God, for this story. Thank you that we can be silly and have some fun. God, help us keep an open mind. Maybe we've heard this a thousand times and think there's nothing else we could learn from it. Maybe we've never heard this story in our lives and we think this is complete and utter nonsense. Help us keep an open mind and learn something new. Challenge us and have our perspectives um, maybe updated today. We love you. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. We're starting at the very beginning. If you have a Bible, check it out, or an app, or just look right here behind me. It's all going to be right there, okay? It's all there, so don't, don't worry about looking down if you don't have a Bible. Let, let's dig in. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, this could be exactly what God said. This could be a summary. But the the point is this. There were these people north of Israel called the Assyrians. Nineveh was their capital. They were the Ninevites. That's who they hung out. And these were some bad dudes. These are some of the most savage, warlike people ever. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I don't like these people. They they were artistically, they were very talented, leadership-wise, war. They were very brilliant people. But what they did in war, they were savage. And the whole thing was, don't mess with us. They were brutal. Some historians have called them a terrorist state because of how savage and brutal they were in war. And they were north of Israel. They were a constant threat to Israel and Jonah's people. And one day God says, essentially, I love these people. 
I care for them. They don't know me. They've rejected me. They've turned from me. I want you to go up there. I want you to tell them I love them, that I have a plan for them, that I want to know them. That's what I want you to do. And Jonah says, I'm out. He says, peace. He says, not happening. This is the equivalent in the 1940s of sending a Jewish rabbi to the streets of Berlin to bring out the Old Testament and say, y'all are naughty little Nazis. Shouldn't been doing that. He wouldn't have lasted five seconds. It wouldn't work. So Jonah, he, he's right in a sense to think, God, this is crazy. These people don't like me. They don't like my people. They're going to just destroy me. How effective is this going to be? I'm out. And Jonah runs. Jonah runs. He runs. He does cardio. He runs. He runs far. But let me tell you something that's hidden in this text, which you might need to know, because I think a lot of you have forgotten that God has a calling on your life. God has a purpose for your life. Let me say it one more time. God has a calling on your life. God has a great purpose for your life. And I heard one person say amen, but the reason I think y'all didn't get too excited about that is probably you'd say, I know that. I've heard that. Been to church, heard that before, saw it on a mug, saw it on Instagram, God has a purpose for me, but it didn't excite you. You were just like, okay, a purpose, that's great. Um, I don't know how often we're mindful of that. If I were to sit you down, if we went to be in the biscuit, mm, if we waited 45 minutes, but it's worth it, and if we got big old biscuits, mm, and if we got big old bowls of cheesy grits, now, half of y'all are like, praise God, you've had the grits. Casey's looking at me like, what? Casey, you've got to go get the cheesy grits. Some people don't know. They're like, what? You've got to go get the cheesy grits. Trust me. Send me a picture on Instagram. I want to see. I want to hear all about it. But if you and I sat down for a big bowl of, of steaming hot cheesy grits, and I were to say, do you believe God has a purpose? Do you believe he has a purpose for you and a calling for your life? I would say 99% of you would say, yeah, of course. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I believe that. Cool. But I don't think that's guiding our lives. I don't think that changes the way we take on adversity and go about the day and take on the week. For example, when you wake up in the morning, I don't think you're thinking about your purpose. I think you wake up out of bed and probably say or think something like this. Oh, gosh, I'm tired. Oh, I always say this, but I'm going to go to bed early tonight. I'm, I'm going to do it. I've said it for weeks, never did it. I'm going to do it. And the next thing you're like, are the kids? Oh, the kids are still asleep. This is great. Maybe I'll have five seconds to myself. Oh, I just said the coffee. Oh, this is, oh, it's Monday. I hate Mondays. I got to have that meeting with that person. I don't like them. I don't want to do that meeting. This is going to be bad. I don't want to do this. I would say a lot of us, that's how our inner monologue starts from day one. I don't think tomorrow morning, Monday, you wake up and you kick off the sheets. And you say, get ready for me, world, because I am burdened with glorious purpose. I was called. I've been appointed. God knit me together in my mother's womb. He's given me a calling, some passions. He's put me right here in this city for such a time as this. No one has the gifts I have. No one has the social circle I have. No one has the coworkers and the neighbors and family I have. God put me here for a reason, to show them the love of God, to open doors, to be the light of the world. And whatever you got world i'm ready for it has does anyone do that anybody you're being honest the runner says i don't even do it and if he doesn't do it we're in trouble and some of you are thinking oh you probably do it i don't do it i'm like coffee first things first i need my coffee amen it's in the bible i think somewhere no it's not Ah, my bad my bad the point is you may think you have a purpose But if it's not guiding your life, 
If it's not affecting your behavior, if it doesn't do anything, what's the point of it? What's the point? It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it absolutely doesn't matter because I'm looking at some people and, oh man, we could change this city. I'm looking at people right now. You have the gifts, you have the ability, you have the resources, you have the talents to absolutely change this city, to change Hampton Roads, I believe to change the world if we just tap in to the calling God has already given us. That's all we got to do. A friend of mine always says this, and it always speaks to me, because I'm a person, when there's a challenge up, I'm always like, well, we don't have enough resources. It's easy to look at our church and say, we're not even two years old. We don't even have a building. How much could we really do? But I came to tell you, God has given us every single thing we need for life and godliness through his divine power. We have everything we need to change this city. We have everything we need to lead our families well. We have everything we need to, to, to weep with those who are weeping, to rejoice with those who are, who, who are rejoicing. All we have to do is step into the calling, step into the purpose that God has already laid out for you. Who's with me? Come on. That's what today's about. It's not about a whale. It's not about a fish. Okay, if you thought it was a fish, you're sorely mistaken. This is about that God has purposed you. He's given you a calling. And so many of us, I love you, me included, we don't often step into it. It's easy to run. It's easy to get scared. And you may be thinking this. You may be thinking, Pastor T, it's unfair because Jonah was hanging out and God came and spoke to him. I'd do it if God came and spoke to me too. If I'm just hanging out at three ships, or wherever I hang out, and God tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, I need you to go to that person and invite him to church. Hey, I need you to give $100 to that homeless person. Hey, I need, you to, I need you to start serving in that capacity. You say, I would do it if he was clear, but he's not clear, so I, I, don't, I don't quite know. That is a garbage argument. It's garbage, because look, because the Bible particularly chose someone, God doesn't do this much, where he comes to someone and says, hey, go do that. One of the few people he does is Jonah, and you know what Jonah does? Jonah runs the opposite way. He wasn't like, alas, the will for my life has been revealed. No, no, no. He said, peace. He chucked deuces. He was out. And don't lie to yourself that you would do something different. That would terrify you. If God came to you and said, go do this, you'd be scared. It would be hard. You'd be, you think you were crazy. You think you were nuts. So don't, don't, don't let that fool you. You don't need a voice. You already know. Tell your neighbor, you don't need a voice. That's what some of us are waiting on. If I hear a voice, I'll do it. You don't need a voice. You, you don't need a, vo- a voice to love on the homeless. God's given you, many of you, an income, a good job. He's given you resources. You don't need a voice to tell you give some of that to the, to the poor. You don't need a voice to tell you that. You don't need a voice to tell you that you're a leader, that you have abilities and gifts, and that you could serve on a team and change the city, that you could serve here or volunteer here or do that or this. You don't need a voice to tell you that. You don't need a voice to tell you that you need to be investing in the next generation, maybe serving in eight kids or with students or loving on people at work or leading that group or finally joining a group. You don't need a voice to tell you to be obedient. You don't need a voice to tell you something that you already deep down know that's you need. You don't need a voice. If that's what you've been waiting on, it, keep waiting. It's not going to come. It could, but it's so very rare. You're going to be waiting a long time. You see, we have limited. We've shortchanged our lives and our futures by diminishing our purpose to just career, just going back to school, just the weekend, just social media. When we wake up, I think we're so focused on these things and they're all temporary. Now, those aren't bad things. Family's great. School is great. Work is great. These are all good things. But the reality is sometimes we focus so much on the temporary, we forget to invest in that which is eternal. Scripture is very clear about that. 
The worst thing that could happen is you spend your whole life investing, building in something, sowing into something, and at the end of your life, you have nothing left. See, we're born naked. We die naked. There's nothing we can take with us. And if you invest your whole life in things that are temporary and not eternal, you will be absolutely broke at the end of your days. But what if, what if, what if you invest in things that no one could ever take from you? You invest in others. You invest in your community. You love on people. You invest in the church. You invest in the poor. At the end of your life, you will not be broke. You will be rich. These are things that death can never rip out of our hands. These are treasures that no one else can lay claim to. It's all a matter of perspective. Let's go to verse 3. You know what it says, but let's look at it. I just told you, I spoiled it. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Tarshish was, we think, in modern-day Spain. In their mind, it was the farthest way possible. He essentially said, give me a one-way ticket to nowhere. Just get me as far away from God and from Israel in this place as possible. And he got on a ship and went. That's what he said, and that's what some of us do. We said, we got to get out of here. Tell your neighbor, don't run. Tell your neighbor, cardio is bad. I told you it was bad, you know? And we look at Jonah and we say, this is so silly. You can't outrun God. Like, that sounds ridiculous. It's not, okay, God told you to do something. That's the equivalent of you literally getting in your car and just driving until it runs out of gas. Literally, God says, hey, invite this person to church. Hey, do that, do this. You, you get in your car and you just drive west. And you're like, well, I'll stop when I stop. That sounds stupid. You would never do that. And we look at Jonah and say, this is so silly. But actually, we do it every single day. I used to look at this and say, what kind of idiot would do that? And then I looked in the mirror and I said, wait, I'm that idiot. I do that all the time. I don't always obey. I make excuses. I make a list. I say, God, I hear what you're saying, but I got this going on. Have you thought of that? See, we think our problem is with the mission itself. Our problem is not with the mission. It's not with the assignment. Our problem is not with the mission. Our problem is with the one who gave us the mission. And that's the heavy thing. That's the thing that really checked me. My man, Tim Keller, said this. He said, look, read this. This is going to punch you in the gut. I love you, but it's in a good way. He said, look, we have a small problem with the mission, but we have a greater problem with the one who gave us the mission. Jonah's beef was not going and preaching. Jonah's beef was with God, saying, are you crazy? This ain't going to work. Or maybe he was thinking, "Are you, you want to forgive those people? Why? Jonah's beef was with him. Look, when we run from God, we are doubting the goodness, the justice, and the wisdom of God. I know that's heavy. I know that's heavy. But when we say no, God, when we say we don't need you right now, when we say I'm going to try my way, we are doubting his goodness, his justice, and his wisdom. And I love how silent it is right now because I hope you're thinking about that because I was just as silent when I was studying this. When we run from God, we're saying two things. The first thing we're saying is God You can't be trusted. I know that's hard. I know that's heavy. But we're essentially saying, I can't trust you. I can't trust you with my life. You don't know what's best for me. You're going to just throw me out. You're going to abandon me. You're going to just leave me out there to starve and die. I can't trust you with this. So many of us call on Jesus as Lord. But when push comes to shove, we say, I really don't trust you. And that's a hard reality. That's a tough thing to understand. It's a tough thing to swallow. The second thing we say when we run from God, we're saying, I know better than you do. We're saying, I have better perspective than you do. Has anyone ever had a four or five, six-year-old try to tell them how life is? <laughs> it's funny, but it's real frustrating. Because they think they know. 
This is the, no, I know we got teenagers in the house. I love you teenagers. Y'all are smart. You have some wisdom, but you need to understand every adult in here has been lectured by a teenager. And y'all are laughing because you know what it's like. I mean, I remember at 16, I thought I knew my stuff. Okay? If you've ever been lectured by a teenager, you look and you're like, you don't have a perspective. You're 14, I'm 40. There's no way you know more about life and struggle than I do. Imagine how God feels when we try to explain things and rationalize to him. (laughs) When we look and say, listen, God, I know you created me. I know you created the heavens and the earth. I know you knit me together in my mother's womb. I know you're the author and finisher of my faith. I get all that. I know you literally knew the moment I was going to be born. I know you know exactly how and when I'm going to die. I know you know all that. But I think I have a better perspective on this than you do. I'm glad you're laughing because that's how it sounds. But that's what we do all the time. That's what Jonah was doing. He said, yeah, God, sit down. Let, Let me take matters into my own hands. It sounds crazy. And it really is. There's another reason why Jonah may have been running. It's possible that he was running because he felt trapped. It's possible that he felt he was between a rock and a hard place. And I want to know, do you ever feel trapped? By a decision? By a circumstance? You're either like, both. it's not good and bad. It's bad and worse or bad and bad. You feel like you have to make a decision that you really don't see how good's going to come out of it. There was this prophet that came before Jonah. His name is Nahum. 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 You've never heard of him. If anyone is expecting a child, congratulations, by the way, but he, was, he didn't crack the top 100 on the baby names. Okay? It wasn't like, I really like Nahum. It didn't happen. You never heard of him. And this dude, God spoke through him to say some things, but this guy, God spoke through him essentially to say that God was going to judge and eventually get rid of the Ninevites. These Assyrians. So Jonah knew that. He had read it. He knew that. So God essentially came along and said, I'm going to take care of the Ninevites. They're going to be gone. And then later God comes through Jonah and says, hey, but I want you to preach to him anyway. I want you to try. I want you to ask him to repent. I want you to show my love to him. Jonah sees this as a lose-lose. Either God forgives them and they destroy us, or God's going to destroy them. And who cares? Who cares if I preach to him anyway? Maybe they kill me. It doesn't matter. God's going to do what God's going to do. Jonah feels like this is useless. He feels stuck. He feels absolutely trapped by this. And so often we are like Jonah. We make things so black and white. It's either A or B. That's all it can be. That's really really it. But we forget that God offers a third way. Some of us, some of you have dated a doofus. And I feel weird if you're sitting next to a doofus right now. It's going to be weird. But sometimes you date someone. And if we can be honest with each other, a lot of people are whispering. I hope this isn't. I hope no one's like, it's you. I saw a lot of heads just whisper. I don't know what that was. I hope, I hope it was the men being like, not you, honey. Never. I, it was a very strange reaction just happened. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awful. But some of you are dating a doofus. And if we can be honest, you are fun to say. Some of you are honestly like, look, we really don't, we really don't get along. We don't agree the same on money or God or family or where we want to live. But I don't want to be alone. I know so many people who are so terrified of loneliness. They'd they'd rather date and marry a doofus than be alone. You forget that God offers a third way. Not doofus. 
but the person you met when we shook hands today, maybe that's the person. God isn't a God of one option. God is two, three, five, 19, 36, 47. God has so many people that he could sit you up with. But so often we're so narrow sighted. We're either like, I either date doofus, marry doofus, or I'm going to be miserable. It's the same with a job. Some of y'all are stuck in a career path. You hate it. You You hate it. You hate it. But you honestly are like, I either stay at this job and I'm miserable forever or I'll starve. God is so much bigger than that. You could go back to school. A, a job may have just opened as we're speaking. You don't even know about yet. Maybe you didn't apply to your dream job because you said, there's no way I'm ever going to get that. There's so many things God has up his sleeve and we limit his power. There's something we used to say where I'm from and I want to share with you. It goes like this. Jonah is darned if he does, darned if he don't. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ain't from where I'm from. Anybody know where Pocosin is? Where's, where's some Pocosin people? They know about this. No. Where's some Gloucester people? They know about this. Any Hampton people? No, it's just me. Any Pungo people? Where are my Pungo people? We got some people. They know about it. They say Durned out there, right? No, whatever. Jonah is Durned if he does, Durned if he don't. It's like Whatever. I'm stuck, God, and so often you feel the exact same thing, but you need to understand today, our God is a God who makes a way when there seems to be no way. Our God is a God who makes streams in the wilderness and a way in the desert. He brings life into dead places. Our God is a God who splits the sea so I can walk right through it unscathed. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we're singing to. That's the kind of God I'm talking about. You think he's, he's intimidated by that challenge you're up against? You think God is in heaven sweating, oh, how am I going to get him out of this one? You think God is daunted or intimidated? He is a way maker. The Lord our God is a way maker. He makes a way when there seems to be no way. And if you feel trapped, pressured, uncomfortable, you don't know a way out, I want you to remind yourself this week or whenever it comes up, our God is a way maker. He's a way maker. He's a way. You can clap for that. Somebody's excited. I'm glad because he's a way maker. And if you feel trapped, you need to know he's a way maker. I came up with a really stupid analogy and I cut it from my notes. I'll tell you in a second. Does anyone go to the gym? Anybody know about whey protein? When I'm reading Waymaker, Waymaker, I'm, I said, you know what? I'm kind of a Waymaker because in this bad boy, I'm a Waymaker, Waymaking machine. Whey protein it is. I had this stupid illustration, and this morning I woke up at 4.30, and I said, I'm going to cut this because it's really dumb. I said, nobody's going to laugh, and it's going to be really just weird, and I'm not bringing the blender bottle and comparing this to God's a Waymaker he made a way where there seems to be no way. Am I doing the dad joke? I'm cutting it. I woke up today. First thing I saw on Instagram, guess what it was? It was a blender bottle with a, bl- a blue top. I saw it, God, I'm going to include it. And then my mom gets to church today. You know what she says? She said, you got a free sample in the mail. Someone sent it to our house for some reason. It's a free sample of protein, whey protein. I said, I'm go- I'll do this. I'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. I think it is so dumb. I can't keep a straight face, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Because our God is a way maker. Our God likes to shake things up from time to time. I'm going to keep it going. Our God. And when you tap into that, when you take a sip of his promises... 
Oh, it builds you up. It refreshes you. It fires you up. And if you're feeling down, if you're feeling drained, if you're feeling depleted, you just have to realize my God is a way maker. Oh, Mr. Cardio, that's for you. Now, I don't know who that's for, but my honest hope and prayer is someone's going to be out there this week and you're going to be up against a decision and you're going to feel like you're darned if you do, darned if you know, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. But I want you to think that goofy dude on Sunday chugged some protein and he said, my God is a way maker. I want you to realize that he is a way maker. Say it for me. He's a way maker. Say this. We're moving on. We're moving on. We're done. We're done. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I've read this a thousand times. I never caught this, but there's one little phrase in there. It really hit me. It hit me right in the gut. Look at this. It says, after paying the fare, when you run from God, there's always a fare you must pay. Because it is highly costly to run from God. We could open this up. We could do story time. Y'all could tell me some stories about a time you ran from God and it led you down that path or this trail or you went through this hell for 10 years because of it. You might have some stories. You might have some illustrations. It is always costly to run from God. It feels like, though, it feels like you get away with it. Like there was this moment, I know, I, I picture him. I know Jonah got on the boat and he's like, I'm free. See ya, sucker. Never going back. I'm out. Peace. You know there was that moment. It was probably beautiful. The sun was out. Little dolphins hopping. Jonah thought, I made it. I'm out. It's like the first time you got a credit card and you went on your first trip to Target or maybe Costco, right? Because I love those places, but there's a bunch of junk in there that nobody needs. You don't. But at Target, you're like, you know that little area in the front? Everything's like a dollar. No one has ever needed anything in that section. Once, but everyone goes. It's where you start. You just got to load your cart up with stuff. But you loaded your cart up and you went to check out and you, your hand was shaking a little bit and you used the credit card and oh my gosh, it worked. And they gave you a receipt and you went home and deep down you're kind of like, I got away with it. But then the bill comes. And when the bill comes, it's always greater than what you had imagined it would be. It's the same with disobeying. You're like, I got away with it. It's not so bad. Does God really know what he, knows what he's talking about? But the bill comes, and it's always greater than what you thought. It is so costly to run from God. Some of you have spent so much time running. Some of you could tell me, and you told me this. You said, I look back, I spent half my life running from God, being disobedient, missing out on opportunities and blessings. I just blew it. I blew it. Some of you, it's costed relationships. Some of you, maybe your marriage ended. Maybe a great relationship ended with a friend or a family member. Because of disobedience, because of running from God. For some of us, it's the blessings. God promises us blessings. What's crazy, what's crazy is scripture says when you give, when you give financially to the poor church, whoever, that God gives back. Some of that's physically he gives. Sometimes it's, it's a spiritual thing. Last week, um, we heard that our friends 99 for the one, the mobile homeless ministry, we heard that their trucks were broken. They couldn't go out and love on the homeless. 
and their AC was out in their thrift shop. It was nasty hot. I met with the board and we, we, we gathered, we, we found $3,000 to give them. And last week right here, we gifted them $3,000. I wanted you to know giving is the most fun you'll ever have with money. It really is. I'm still smiling about it. It was so cool for us as a church to say, hey, we're still young. We don't have everything figured out. We don't even have a building. But it was so cool to see 99 for the one this week going out, meeting the homeless, sharing stories. And I hope everyone from Ascent, somewhere deep down, not in a prideful way, but deep down said, you know what? God worked through me just a little bit to make that happen. Giving is the most fun you'll ever have with money. Have you ever ridden on a jet ski? Jet ski's number two. It is. Amen. But giving's number one. Don't challenge me on that. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. The word sent in Hebrew is fun. This has nothing to do with it, but I like this. The word sent is it, it's literally hurled. I love that. And the same word is used when someone is at battle and they're hurling a weapon. God says, Oh, you think you got away? I love you too much to let you go down this road. God is not acting out of anger or vengeance. He has to teach him something. He wants to teach him something. So God will often hurl storms at us, not to condemn us, but to build us, to build our character, to teach us something. Because running from God in the sense of sinning, disobeying, whatever, it always leads to storms. It always leads to storms. Now, you have to be careful. It's not like a one-for-one thing. We don't believe in karma. Like, we don't believe, I missed church Sunday. We went to the park instead. Oh, we went to brunch. We brunched so hard on Sunday. Um, but next, in this week, I'm, I, oh, oh, I got a flat tire. It's probably because I missed church. That's not how it works. If you're driving and you pass someone, you cut them off and you give them the look like this. You know, later that day, a bird will not automatically poop on your car. It could. It's dangerous to think it's a one-to-one thing. No, it's not, not really like that. The point is that every sin will bring you into difficulty. If you violate God's plan, you're defying God's own design. You see, God designed you. He made you. He has a purpose and plan for your life. And if you go against it, it leads to brokenness. If I were doing a construction project, if I had some hammer and some nails, and I couldn't find my hammer, and I wanted to nail on some nails, and I said, well, I don't have my hammer, but I, got, I have an iPhone. Same thing, right? And I get that iPhone, and I'm just smashing it on the nail. And it doesn't seem to be working, and my hand's bleeding, and the phone is smashed, and the nail is no further in. I would have no validation to be mad at the iPhone. Because that's not its design. That's not its purpose. It just led to brokenness. It's the same for us. God has a plan for us to love one another, to forgive, to be generous, to be the light in this world. And when we go against that, it's not because he's mad at you. It's because he wants to teach you. He wants to love you. Things get broken. Things get broken. It said the ship threatened to break up that such a violent storm arose. I want you to know, even if it was your fault, God is still sovereign in the storm. Even if you look back and you say, it's totally my fault, my marriage ended. God is still with you. He still loves you. He has a plan for you. He is still sovereign in the storm, even if you completely betrayed someone, dropped the ball, screwed up, and you look back and you say, that was 100% me, I've totally failed. God is still sovereign in the storm. No one is beyond redemption. No one is beyond hope. If anyone, Jonah is completely fleeing from God, God is not done with him yet. God is just getting started. Jonah is about to know God in a more personal way than he ever thought possible. Let's finish here. Five. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to their own God, and they drew, and they threw all cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. 
But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him, El Capitan went to him, right? And said, how can you sleep, ding dong? It's not in there, I added that for emphasis. (laughs) Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will notice, maybe he'll take notice of us so that we will not perish. You see, God will call you. And then God will call you out. God will call you. He calls me all the time. Do this, do that. And if we run, if we turn, God will call you out. He'll say, hey, the reason you're getting paid so much, I want you to throw a little to the homeless. I want you to throw a little to the people stuck in sex slave trafficking. I want you to throw some to the church. Hey, the reason I made you such a good leader isn't just so you can have a killer job. You need to be leading teams. You need to be investing in people, leading groups. You need to get involved. I gave you this gift for a reason. God will gently nudge you and say, wake up. I've called you to something greater. Keep in mind, this is a captain that doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe in the God of the Bible. He doesn't pray to the God of the Bible. But he's more in touch with this than Jonah is. God might use something crazy to call you out. To hopefully wake you up. Now, God has called you. He has. He's spoken purpose into your life. And you can call me El Capitan because I want to call you out right now. Listen, if you keep running from God, you'll never fulfill the purpose in your life. But once you realize God has called you to something greater, you can stare down the future with fearlessness. And you can say, God has called me to something greater. He does have a purpose for me. He wants to do more in me and through me than I could ever ask or imagine. And this city, my family, and this world will never be the same. That's what you can say. That's what you can say. That's what you can hold on to. You can't forget that, y'all. Don't be like Jonah. Don't be like Jonah. The Bible is not a book full of perfect people saying, Dylan, you should have been more like him. Isaac, you should have been more like him. It's not that. It's showing broken people and God meeting them exactly where they are. The point of this isn't be like Jonah. It's don't be like Jonah. Running from God's purpose, sleeping in the midst of a storm. You need to know there is a storm currently in our city. Just like there was in Jonah's environment, there's a storm in the city. There was a shooting last week. Families are torn apart. Even if there hadn't been a shooting, families are still torn apart, being ripped apart by addiction, divorce, pain. There is a storm in this city. There's people falling apart just like that ship. There are people just like the sailors who don't know where to turn, don't know where to do. They don't know the hope of God. They don't know the love of God. I came to tell you, don't be like Jonah. Don't hit the snooze. Jonah was the only one who knew the mercy and the love and the goodness of God. And everything's running amok. And he's sleeping. I came to tell you, don't hit the snooze. God has called you with a purpose and with a point. You are here in the city. Maybe you're here for six months, maybe 60 years. But you are here for such a time as this. I don't know why you're here, but I guarantee you it's not to take a nap while the whole world around you is burning. I know that. I know that. Let me ask you, what will your story be? How is God calling you to stop running and to turn back to him? Maybe it's with church. Maybe you need to finally get baptized, go public with your faith. Let us know on the A card if that's you. Maybe it's time to finally join the A team and use your gift or to serve or to serve the homeless or to use your gift or to be more generous or to invite that coworker to church or have that conversation you've been avoiding or finally forgive that person. I don't know what it is. But I would say each and every person in this room is running from God in some area. My hope and my prayer is that he makes that abundantly clear to you right now. I came to ask you, how long are you going to run? 
because the Lord our God is inevitable. You can't outrun him. (laughs) He's better at cardio than you are. And he always will be. Let's dream for a second. Let's dream for a second. What could the city look like if we stopped running from God? What could God do in our midst, in this church, in Virginia Beach, in Hampton Roads, in Virginia, in this country or this world, if we stopped running from God? Later in the book of Jonah, it says this, that God, essentially, he looks at Nineveh, and he sees about 100, 100 and some thousand people. And he said, Jonah, they're lost. They don't know their right hand from their left. There's 100,000 of them. I care about them. That's why I'm sending you there. I think God is doing the same thing with Virginia Beach. I think he's doing the same thing with Hampton Roads. I think he's looking at this city. Only one in five people here are actively connected to a church. That means not 100,000. There's about 400,000 right here in our community who maybe don't know God, who don't have a relationship with him, who don't have a connection with him. I think God looked at Nineveh and sent Jonah. I think God is looking at Virginia Beach. I think he's looking at Hampton Roads and I think he's sending you to be a light in your school, to be a light on your team, to be a light in that preschool, wherever you find yourself, to be a light, to make a difference, to make an impact. What could this place look like if we stop running, if we quit paying fares you don't have to pay, And if we don't hit the snooze, if we wake up and live out the calling and purpose that God has for us. If you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.